Hey there, H. Allen here. So you guys know that all month long we have been partnering with our sponsor, Can, to have some conversations about cannabis and pride with some of our guests. And we are back at it. Now, this Pride Month is a lot of fun. Now, I don't go outside. I'm not an outdoors person. But I will tell you one way that I do recognize pride, and that is with a can beverage in my hand. Can is reshaping social drinking with their range of microdose non-alcoholic beverages that deliver the perfect punch. It's crafted in California, and it's this cannabis-infused social tonic that just, like, gives you that little bit of, like, a oomph, you know, that good feeling while also tasting delicious. You're going to love it. And like I said, we've been talking with past guests about sort of what pride and cannabis mean to them. And today we are talking with Benito Skinner, a.k.a. Benny Drama. Oh, love him. And be sure to stick around after our chat with Benny for the rest of the show, because it's a great one. Trust me, you're going to love it. Benito Skinner, a.k.a. Benny Drama, I have a burning question for you. Mm, and to me, baby. It involves, it involves a social tonic, CBD-used <laughs> beverage. It's delicious. I want to know how many cans do you, can beverages, do you need to drink in order to feel your most queer? Oh my God, probably one. I mean, I'm a lightweight. <laughs> Like truly, I'll have one cocktail and be like, "King, like let's go." So, um, one can, and I, you know, I always drink can when I'm like watching Riverdale, just to let it wash. Oh, you know, right. just letting it. Kind of. And I what just, about can yeah. and Riverdale makes you so hot? Oh God, it's such a nice little combo. There's nothing better than cracking <laughs> open a can with one of the boys and watching Riverdale on the CW. One of the boys, <laughs> literally. <laughs> you <watch the> CW. <laughs> so fun, but yeah, I um, I think definitely a one. I feel pretty fucking gay all the time, so I think just yeah. one. It doesn't one, need, you don't need. If too I want to feel health, filthy yeah. like a dirty little faggot, I'll drink a high boy. <laughs> let me tell you, oh my God, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Can, can I ask? Can I ask you real quick? What's what's pride like in boise idaho have you been we're gonna go i mean where you're, I've from. Never, where you're from i've never been yeah, where for you're it. from i need to i keep i need to ask joel kim booster because he like he he did a set for it mm. once he was like the lead person and i was like what the hell's joel doing in boise what's going on mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm like i'm so curious if he had fun at pride so i'm gonna ask him and get back to you but i think I think it's growing, which is, you know, my parents. Oh, why haven't you go, led the pride there? You're from, you're a hometown queer. Thank you. Thank you. I know. It's, it's actually disgusting. I'm like, I should have the key to the city for that week. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I think no, they don't want me back, especially after the White House video. They don't want me back. <laughs> okay. Take your time. We have Can. Have the, have Can sponsor you at Pride Please in Boise. Can. And Please. then just go talk about Riverdale. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Talk about the gargoyle king with all my with all my besties <laughs> and voice in heaven. Welcome to your making it worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual appealing. So we, there were a couple fun uh, developments in the LGBTQIU baseball space in the Did last- Did you make that up? What? QIU? No. Yeah. Queer, intersex, unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that. what is it really though it is like qia a a yes a no it's it's qiau <laughs> i just leave out the a um anyway uh 
So a couple developments, um, which I thought were kind of exciting. Three team, three baseball teams this year, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Devil Rays, wore specialized pride outfits featuring rainbow badges for one of their games. The Dodgers and Giants, that's uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco Giants, had full participation, but the Devil Rays had five players that refused to wear their badges. Um, Cancel them! Because of of Jesus. Um, It wasn't because of Jesus? uh, I mean, it was was because of their... uh, Religious beliefs? Yeah, their purported religious beliefs. But we'll we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Um, Obviously, the new story became about the five players for the Devil Rays that refused, which I think is genuinely Why was it only three teams, though? I mean, New York City loves homosexuals. Miami loves homosexuals. Like, why didn't those... They have teams, right? I don't know anything about baseball. Uh, yes, they, they they do have teams. Um, Tampa <laughs> yes, Bay. B- believe it or not, Alan, New York has a baseball team. <laughs> oh, I'll, yeah, the Yankees. Yes, the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Yankees. The I had to think about that for uh, a second, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's actually it's a good question, and and probably one that will will be coming in short order. But uh, these three teams are are uh, leading the way when it comes to LGBT rights. Now, I actually thought this was interesting. Before we get into the ins and outs of those five players. Um, uh, who didn't wear their badges. I didn't know this, but the Tampa Bay Devil Rays have a history of surprising political activism for a sports team. Mm. They've celebrated Pride Night for 16 years. In 2015, they were one of three sports teams that signed an amicus brief in support of same-sex marriage. Mm. Uh, that is, of course, before the Supreme Court decision. The other teams were the New England Patriots and the San Francisco Giants. Uh, and last month, the Rays, the, the Devil Rays, joined with the Yankees and devoted their entire social media feeds for one day to gun violence. I just mm. thought that was really surprising. That, was very, that, is, that is definitely surprising, but nice to see. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. like Florida is just a rat's nest. And, <laughs> Not all of uh, Florida. There are some very progressive parts of Florida that, that's, that's, that people get like, I feel like people who live in those areas are like, well, we're okay. You know, yeah, Fort Lauderdale. Um, yeah. And we'll get into Glenn Burke in a second because that's for the Dodgers. But what? Are, so what are your guys' thoughts? What do you think about those three teams? And what do you think about everyone making a big deal out of five players not wearing those bats? I think the five players thing is so stupid because, A, it's baseball. I'm surprised it wasn't more players. So yay on that. And I'm more surprised that, like, there weren't other teams that participated just because I would think, yeah. like, the big cities, Chicago, like Miami, yeah, right, New York, all right. those cities, DC, all Kansas those Kansas City, Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah, yeah, why not? Like, but I'm I'm just surprised that none of the other cities participated. And why is it always like not that it's a stereotype that LA and San Francisco would love homosexuals and participate in Pride, but I feel like the rest of the country, oh, of course, yeah. LA and San Francisco participated in Pride. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right, right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to carry that torch. But yeah, sorry, Ellie, go ahead. No, I think. I mean, I also am like really. I, it's on one hand, I'm like, really, guys, you can't wear a fucking badge. Right. Like, you can't wear a badge. But on the other hand, it is <laughs> at a certain point in our bubble, the like pride is so overarching and so exhausting even the the corporatization of pride whether you you know believe in it or not is so exhausting that it is a mildly sobering reminder (laughs) that like yeah no it's not it's not everywhere and it's not all the time yeah and and i think it's just coincidence that i was talking on this podcast about how i'd gone to a game a few weeks ago and it was during pride but it wasn't pride night and it was like okay like this is it was I've still never been to a game. You know, I've never been to a game. 
You've never been to a baseball game? I've been to a Cardinals one. I've never been to a Dodgers game, but the only... I don't. I think the Cardinals is the only one I've ever been to, and that is not a place for homosexuals. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Elliot. Elliot. Elliot just likes uh, going to games for the footlongs. But the footlongs, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I actually I felt the same way, and I was actually really surprised with the New York Times, the editorial that I read that obviously talked all about this stuff, which was just like, why are we focusing on these five players? I'm absolutely blown away. Yeah. Two baseball teams and baseball is full of conservatives yeah uh it's a lot of really one of more conservative, conservative uh games like out of like baseball or basketball football all of them like i would say baseball is probably the most conservative uh I, yeah when it comes to the players almost certainly well players and um, fans too i would say like it's it does you don't see a lot of i mean sure you see some celebrities at like baseball games but you mostly see them at football and basketball games and, and yeah, they're considered, I, like they're considered like you know I would think there are more liberal supporters, I would say. Of yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely hear that point for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess I was just surprised. And there's also a part of me that's like, so at what point do we stop twisting people's arms to agree with us? And like, and I, I feel like there's a part of me that's like, I want, I, I, I'm with Alan. I think more teams, all teams should have this. Uh, a day that celebrates pride and I but I I'm also open to the fact that it should be voluntary and I think you know I think probably on the Dodgers and Giants there were probably a couple players that were a little reticent but maybe there was a little a peer pressure to just go along with it and I'm sure there were tons of players that had no problem at all putting that badge on no. their arm for that day and I'm, I'm completely comfortable letting five players out themselves as as buffoons in my mind. So also we don't know if like these other teams have because I'm sure I haven't looked at the the stats of it but I am sure these other teams have participated in pride events maybe not on the baseball field but for their city's pride I'm I'm sure some players have shown up at pride or been in pride parades or supported their city's pride in some capacity like I, I I would be very surprised to not to think that like the Chicago who are Chicago Cubs right they're Cubs the White Cubs, White Sox yeah. White Sox and the Cubs I'm so would be very surprised if the Chicago Cubs being in the Boys Town neighborhood didn't do something for for Chicago sure. Pride. Well, one of my favorite things to do while watching baseball games is find players on in on Instagram, f- find out who they follow on Instagram to see what their political <laughs> do they follow Katie are. Perry. And then, and then and then better yet, I, I usually find their partners because that's the real clue because these players are all very kind of stoic and who they follow. They follow just each other. Once you find their partners and see who they follow, then you're like, all right, I think I have a better idea of where they stand. On yeah. this, Nothing on says more about a person than like who they follow and what they follow. Nothing yeah. speaks higher about not higher, but nothing speaks more clearly about what a person wants to put in their feed and in their yeah. eyes we were just, their Instagram feed. I just I just had dinner with past guest Kimchi, uh, the drag queen, and we, oh, were, we were just talking. Bragging. Well, I mean, you're welcome to come too. And she, um, we were just talking about like fo- like when you look at someone and you see because there's a lot of like drag fuckers out there, and you see who the person that reaches out to you is following. And if they're like following like basic Queens or like basic people, you know, stay away. It's like, it really is a litmus test in a lot of ways for like, oh, yeah. what the taste of the person that you're, that you're yeah. encountering. Yeah. I, I, I have the most respect for people that follow uh, 
the deep cut drag queen Ornoko Ho. Um, <laughs> drag queen. Uh, the other real quick thing I was going to throw out was that the Dodgers also celebrated Glenn Burke, uh, who was a mm. baseball player who uh, played for the Dodgers, I think, God, in like the 70s or maybe 80s or something. Uh, he was openly, well, not openly gay in the press, but apparently openly gay in amongst the teammates. Mm. And he was very quickly traded by the organization. His life took a downward spiral afterwards and he died from AIDS in the 90s. Mm. Uh, so he was celebrated. He, uh, a bunch of his family members and, and friends That's were celebrated great. at the stadium uh, also uh, a couple weeks ago. And of course, there's a That's... picture of Mookie Betts, my favorite player in the world, <laughs> smiling ear to ear with one of uh, Glenn Burke's. That's family. really great, though. So See, to me, I that ask. actually speaks more volume to me than badges and rainbows. It's like yeah. actually taking a moment to retroactively honor somebody who was marred by, uh, yeah, by what discrimination, gay was, yeah. by discrimination, by by the pain of it decades ago, and actually acknowledging it. I think is really progressive and active and actually like is yeah. good for it, it's it's yeah. more you know it's more well, and it's also acknowledging it's, it's like a shade past the past that exactly forced, that forced this person to probably be in the closet in a correct yeah. in a, you know some of the i just don't like the rainbow anything i like no, if i was don't. a baseball player and they asked me to wear a rainbow thing i'd be like god why i hate the color rainbow. rainbow would be like yeah. shades of gray yeah i would i would rather <laughs> run out there with like a butt plug in than put on a rainbow <laughs> anything, well honestly. who do you and think you're elliot let Laser? that hoke out the back of my baseball uniform that's what i want <laughs> Not even joking. We are here with Vera Drew, uh, editor, producer, and director uh, from the Tim and Eric world of, what would I call it? Like surreal comedy? Of nightmares and... <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the wonderful world of Tim and Eric. Yeah. Yes. How, uh, thanks for being here, Vera. You, you are, um, you got your start. I mean, you grabbed my attention because I very much love that surreal world i love the sort of the world of dank memes and and vic burger editing and i know these are these are niches that are putting brent to sleep but i'm, <laughs> I'm I just, me I, too to be honest <laughs> i love your brand i love your brand and so i wonder um when did you how did you get started with with doing all this well editing but also producing and directing um well i I I wanted to direct I like knew I was a director before I was before I knew I was a girl <laughs> um, like I it's one of my earliest memories is like wanting to just make stuff like um so it was always kind of building towards some version of that and I think in college I was like really into experimental film and kind of stupidly thought that I think like I was just going to like make a living doing that just because, you know, I come from two uh, very hardcore Midwestern work ethic types, uh, mm, but yeah. knew I was a, a factory worker and a gym teacher, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, close. Uh, a furniture store owner and a, a, an art teacher. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually was, I was kind of close, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you lift furniture. That's a gym thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah um but yeah i uh i was really into like just like weird shit and i think that's when i like just 
started watching Tim and Eric stuff and mm. it was very clear like right off the bat that like that was going to be the that was always going to be the closest thing to like experimental film yeah <laughs> whatever I feel like people are yeah, and, from that a lot it's what is experimental film because I feel like most people if you asked a a random film goer they'd be like oh I don't know early John Waters like that would sort of be where their brain would go what like what is modern like yeah, experimental really film good, yeah good question I'm not really up on the modern stuff as much. I mean, I was really getting into, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause I was really into like aggressively gay stuff. Like mm. like Kenneth Anger, like was my, and, and this was long before like coming out and, and, and knowing who I was, I just loved all the colors and like all of his stuff was like, would use like a lot of doo-wop music, but just featured these like mostly nude men like washing cars or like uh, <laughs> he has this short he has this like 45 minute piece called Scorpio Rising that's just like gay bikers intercut with like old bible movies mm. and like this sounds like my YouTube favorites by the way this is like yeah. very yeah. much it's a very alley. dark dark <laughs> streak eccentric I would say probably yeah so. I think eccentric. Uh, yeah yeah I, I think so too uh, so wait, so so do you mind me asking, how did you get involved? So you you discovered Tim and Eric, you recognize that this is sort of like the genre that you, you know, you want to be in. But like, I mean, lots of us it? have lots of us yeah. have dreams of, uh, yeah, of like working with people that we admire. How did how did you ma manifest I, that in your life? I literally like called them, <laughs> literally you like called them? the company. I was I was in I'm, I come from Chicago and I was I was in college. Um trying to get an internship kind of like half-assedly trying to get an internship in LA and I somehow got the number to their office I got in touch with a guy named John Roig who at the time was like the lowest person on the totem pole there I think he's like an EP at Adult Swim now but um I was like hey I I really would love to work with you guys and he was like we're not really doing anything right now but if you want to just come intern and like get us coffees and stuff you know and that sounded great <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so yeah I mean, like I, what's that that was it you just did that and moved to LA based on that kind of yeah I mean I I was finishing up school I was a really bad student in college like I I do I still I look back and I'm like why am I in this much debt for how uh, <laughs> like little work I put in yeah. um but uh yeah I was kind of just I I took took the chance and came out here and they didn't really have they were he was 1000% correct like the first month of working there I was just getting like Tim and Eric coffee uh <laughs> and forgot to get their straws every single time I was not a good PA I was really bad at um office type stuff and and that was quickly recognized I think at the company so yeah. where do you put somebody who clearly wants to make stuff but uh, can't make eye contact when she talks to people or <laughs> <laughs> answer a phone correctly. Um, Post-production, let's move her, <laughs> you know, downstairs with the freaks. And um, so that's, that's kind of how did it you, happened. Did you have a lot of experience in post-production at that point or were you basically learning? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, that was, I would say like, I fell into that rant, like pretty just naturally creatively because that's what I had known best I think coming out here like I I was really I, I had been making stuff since I was a little kid and um kind of had mastered like really basic like editing software and stuff by the time I was like 15 so um 
so yeah, I mean, I I still think it a lot of <laughs> a lot of it did just come down to my antisocial not like it was very clearly like you know I think what was great about absolutely productions in those days it was like you really could go down this track of like they made producers and they made editors there yeah. and a lot of their editors became directors so that's why for me like it, it really was just like this is a no brainer like um. It's yeah. kind of great, though. I mean, I feel like a lot of creative types, you know, there are different people. Like if you're a lawyer, you're going to go do law. Like if you're a doctor, you're going to go work in medicine. Like that's there's a clear path. But I feel like creatives, like whenever I think about like how I do what I do, the path 20 years ago or when like whenever I started, it was not where I thought I would be going. And it's just because you just kind of gravitate to the different areas in which like you respond. Oh, I think I'm kind of good at this. And then mm -hmm. some people recognize it and you become better at it and you just keep mm -hmm. doing it yeah it's, it's kind of great yeah totally you really i mean it's i i i bitch and moan about my career so much and like constantly feel slighted or like i'm not potentially where i'm supposed to be but when i do look back it really is just like you kind of get put you know where i think you're supposed to be if, if you're working hard and, and yeah. like doing your stuff like i'm i'm really glad that i found that group of people because it, it really was like I the times where I did venture off the the abso reservation and, and work for like another company like I edited an ABC freeform show and that was a oh. fucking disaster I'm getting notes from Disney like um, <laughs> like just a nightmare um that doesn't but, seem uh, to track though a Tim and Eric production versus like a Disney production seems like two polar opposite worlds <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah no doesn't doesn't really doesn't really make sense what what uh I, if for people who don't i guess who don't necessarily work in the industry or aren't necessarily like cinephiles what is it that makes an editor what is the what is the editor personality because there isn't a personality to editors and there is like a there is like a loner mentality. There is like a, a social awkwardness often, but there's a level of genius there. And they patience. shape the story. They shape the story that they're given. I mean, they're incredibly important editors. But what? But before, beyond that, like there's a there is a distinct personality to <laughs> to editors that I would. I don't want to put words it's in called your Asperger's. Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Asperger's. Yeah. No, I mean, for me. It really is like, you know, I, I think I, I'm a cre I'm a very creative person. I love like storytelling. I'm a real like nerd about like storytelling and like yes. structure and, yes. and, and myth and stuff. So like, I think that's kind of where the editing comes in. Cause it's just, I, I am obsessed with structure and, and organization and, um, and, you know, and I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm a mentally ill trans woman. I often feel very out of control in my life and like sure. I can't, you know, so like editing it it you know, just on that level too. It's like it's 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 a world that I can control. Right? Of course, you know. There is a level of control there and at the same time as you're technically like servicing other people's work, it's very collaborative because at the end of the day, it all essentially does fall on you and what you cut together and every moment counts. And so there is inherently a lot of pressure um, in, in that role. But I also am wondering too, like how much does 
your queerness factor into how you edit and how you approach yeah. things as an editor and producer and director because of the the surreal mentality of the stuff that you um, work on, you know, more often than not. It's, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing our community any favors by saying this, <laughs> but I really do feel like I, I don't want to say like camp comes like second nature to me, but like, I, I think, you know, I really love the like visual language of emotion that you can get out of like performances and, and, and pairing music with performances. And I mean, that was why like working at Abso was so cool was because like, it really was the, like you can, you can be, have everything in the kitchen sink. Like, like in, you know, I worked on comedy bang bang for a number of years and it was like every second had 16 jokes going on at once. Yes, right. Like it's very sophisticated and it's different. And I think, and I'm one, yeah. And, and, and does it, why do you say you're not doing, doing your service or doing service to queer people by talking about that? I think it's just, it's so I, evident. I mean, just, just, you know, like, I think the whole camp, the whole camp idea, like always getting lumped into queerness, I think does, does bother me on some, on some level. And I say this as somebody who like, you know, we were, we, that we were off show when you noticed my TV. I have like a Batman Forever TV. I love it. Like, yeah. It's wild. My favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite directors is Joel Schumacher, just Incredible. the loudest, gayest director of all time. And you know, and I made a very gay Batman movie <laughs> like recently. And and you know, like I I think I don't know. It's at, at the same time like I don't ever want. I I like the distinction of like camp that that does like that is sincere and like coming from a place of, of yes. sincerity yeah you know? yes it's like an, I, an appreciative camp it's not a it's not a it's not camp for camp's sake yeah. which i think because of because of the mainstreaming of like queer culture even like drag race because of so much of it has bled into like straight culture or whatever i think the like edge of camp has been dulled yeah and yeah. the stuff that you do and that and and the, the world that you you know the, the world of work that you uh live in still has like a like it's the ghoulishness and the body horror that i think <laughs> is still so distinctly campy uh that you can't we can't design it can i can i ask this though because this is something you know obviously the term camp gets used in this podcast a lot and i still couldn't tell like wouldn't be able to define what that brent means. really brent you just made a masterpiece that was yeah. camp yeah I mean, but how but how was okay. that camp okay so we should explain to both vera and our listeners yeah that as a birthday gift to me and this is so up your alley vera it's so up your alley brent is obsessed with this video that our podcast listeners have heard about many times it's an of uh interview with Susan Sontag from like 20 years ago, where she's so antagonistic and so acrimonious <laughs> about very benign yeah. questions. And as a birthday gift, Brent with Alan and Alan's boyfriend, Michael, did Susan Sontag drag and yeah. re, re, uh, re did the video, like played Susan Sontag. They shot it shot for shot, word for word. Brent knew the lines verbatim. Alan did the editing. Michael did the, did the makeup. There's wigs. It is high camp. 
and I don't, it's hard. I don't know. That is incredible. Oh my God. It's amazing. That is Thai camp. Yeah. Uh, I, um, how, but I guess I don't, how do we just describe camp to Brent? I mean, I, I think the, for me, camp is, it's an inside joke. It's if you, uh-huh. if you do something and so, like what you guys were saying on a past episode, I think maybe it was with Colton last week, where you talked about sort of me talking about Selena's the person who murdered Selena. And, and, yeah, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're in on the joke if I scream, fuck Yolanda. If you know what yeah. I'm screaming in relation to that, it's queer, it's layered, and it it it, okay. it, it depends on you getting the reference oh, and that's camp okay. in a lot of ways okay. subversive all right I'm subversive getting, and I'm, it makes you I'm feel smart to get and it you feel inside sort of on the joke and susan sontag is just like that and i think i'm starting but, to get but it but with editing in camp one of the things that stands out to me there's a big conversation happening around drag race and the edit and all of the stuff every season there's always the conversation around drag race and the edit but you see it in reality shows too like i watch real Housewives oh, yeah. Beverly hills and i'm like oh someone queer is editing this show because yeah. they're focusing on the things that I'm immediately obsessed with, the eye movement, the eye roll, the that that is probably completely out of context for what the conversation's actually happening in reality. But that eye roll is camp to me. Not and and the person who's editing it immediately knows I'm gonna notice that eye roll and make fun of it mm. and pause the TV and rewind and watch it again. Like that's the brilliance of an editor to me, is is just understanding that moment. Yeah, it's like I, I mean for me to it's it's like pulling out all this the the stops that you can to really like that idea of like how something feels versus like how it actually is. Like for me, like camp really like it externalizes a situation by louder or like more colorful or like more a more extreme version mm-hmm. of of like reality to actually like show you the emotion beneath the surface that's why i don't like that's why i'm so disappointed by current like like real housewives or like reality tv now because i think it's so it's flattened it where it's like the camp is so on the nose whereas i love early reality shows where it's not that sophisticated yet and so the camp or like the really funny subversive stuff isn't being highlighted by some savvy editor for a savvy audience it's like you know, it's like if we're gonna—I mean, if we're gonna do an on-the-nose like housewife reference, it's like Luann, Luann, Countess Luann, like doing an icy smile while her son learns like break break dancing yes. in their yeah. kitchen, and the music, the production music is like yeah. bad, but it's all supposed to be earnest, you know. But it lives on as camp. Whereas now, I think they, people go into reality shows and they are produced with camp in mind or they want to get yeah. gifts like literal yeah. gifts for chats yeah there's like a cynicism content. applied to it now yeah i think it's like it's it's and it's kind of because i mean i think irony is a part of camp and like like is definitely oh, clearly yeah. a part of that but like particularly in advertising i think it's just irony now like yes fucking like crazy skittles commercials and stuff where it's just like what is happening yeah what (laughs) is the the end of culture yes yes well you know what is that um um well actually you guys answer for me if you think if if this is directly that the nicole kidman amc thing oh my god yes they play before movies full camp it's full camp and it's unintentional because they didn't expect it to be and now like every queen, including myself in drag numbers are looking for spots where I can put in one line that says, 
heartbreak feels good in a place like this. It's just so stupid <laughs> and it's so campy and it's so funny that every even now. And the thing is, camp has become, I think that people have become sort of, and I, I think this is a, a sign of progress for culture that they become so in tune with the absurdity of some things, the camp absurdity of some things that now in movie theaters, when that, AMC laugh. Ad, when that AMC ad comes on, people stand up and applaud, they laugh. There's a, there's yes. a, there's a yeah. physical reaction to it. And that I think is advancement for society. Very advanced. <laughs> if there's sincerity to that, like like that, that piece, that specifically, I don't know, like I do buy that that was made in the earnestness, earnestness of people who Completely. believe in the magic of cinema. Completely. And, yeah. I think so too. Um, uh, wow, this, this, before we go, uh, uh, I want to ask you about your YouTube show, Hot Topics with Vera Drew. You had a YouTube show that I don't, I don't think you're updating anymore, but uh, <laughs> you had this YouTube show uh, called Hot Topics. Can you explain what the premise was? Yeah, for um, a little bit, I was trying to get sponsored by Hot Topic, <laughs> just <laughs> mostly because, like, I don't know, like, that, you want to talk about yeah, yeah no. I get it. I knew that. I knew that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Vera. There's very, very, very much so a an earnestness to that, though, that, like, really, you know, when I started my transition, I, I realized how so many of the problems that I faced growing up would have just been solved if I had just had, like, a goth phase, like, yeah. and really had leaned into being, like, emo. So I wanted Hot Topic to, to fund... <laughs> to fund that for me um they were have, you successful not at all no oh no. they, they watched it they definitely watched it um there was a major drop off after the second episode uh <laughs> with with a very specific core of my audience that i think really did want me to become like an influencer type but there was you know a lit my tongue was firmly planted in my cheek at times what mm -hmm. <laughs> I really, I shattered the illusion of Hot Topic by showing even just like what their CEO looked like. like <laughs> I, I'm not like, a goth, you know, like. Well, that's, that's my really question. Funny. What What now? Like, I, I know it was at Hot Topic when I was a teenager. I thought delinquents shop there. I wouldn't, I was scared of the store. <laughs> I was scared of who shopped there. Oh, but I, I got what was now. going on that's, there. Cool. Yeah. But, but what, but what is, goth is not really yeah, a it's, thing now. I What's keep there? That. It's, it's more you know it's 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 like emo kids who watch anime like like oh. like emo kids who watch anime and like unfortunately disney nerds and i think it always kind of has been that because i mean i could talk i could tell you a lot uh, i did a lot of research on hot topics company history and they really did just start because like in before the early 90s like you couldn't buy band t-shirts anywhere yeah. like except for concerts, concerts so like yeah they were the first ones to kind of revolutionize that. And, and yeah, I think like growing up, you know, I would go in there pretending like I was looking at like South Park plushies <laughs> and shit, but like, I really wanted to be wearing like plaid skirts and, yeah, and yeah. all that. Um, but yeah, now they're Kilts. more, they are more mostly just like, um, Random like stuff. a, like a Disney store. Almost, yeah. It's of. stressful <laughs> in there. Every, every time we go to the mall, Michael wants to go in and I'm just like, I'll be in box lunch. I got to get out of here. I, uh, I, I can't. Yeah, there's a store called Box Lunch that, that is like yeah, all. What is that? It's like all fan mm -hmm. merchandise. So it's like Disney yeah. and The Office and 
Funko Pop. I honestly yeah. wish it was yeah. just like different box lunches. Me too. I feel I like that would well. be a more interesting <laughs> store. That be like, yeah, like, yeah, like its own like version of Lunchables. Like, wouldn't that be more fun than the same shit you can get in every other fucking store? How mad did I just get it? Box yeah. lunch, but still. <laughs> never been in. You can do this if you really been. are this passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will. Uh, well, Vera, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, people can find me at Vera Drew 22 on Twitter and Instagram. Those are the only uh, social media sites I use. I also want to plug uh, the movie that I've just finished up called The People's Joker. Um, it kind of came out of doing the Hot Topics show. I made my own joker movie that's like a really an autobiographical um queer coming about queer coming of age uh mm. tale and that will hopefully be coming out soon um so just follow me for that's all that's sad that i can't great. i love it love i've it. always thought the joker was so hot yeah mm. no and i've always i've i i've always I've always like really identified just with the style of the yeah. joke, like the you know it was really just an excuse to to wear like purple and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks uh, well, thank again. You, it was fantastic, and definitely so look forward to seeing that. Thanks, guys. And another thing, guys, uh, if you had a superpower. What would that superpower be? Oh, that's right. Wait, we actually have two, we have two questions for. No, 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 no. We'll we'll uh, I we're think gonna, we'll save, we save that, that for one. Yeah. Time. Okay. Yes. So uh, yes. What 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 superpower would you guys uh, have if you could ha- well, if you could I, have a superpower? I'm gonna start mine off. Uh, the, actually, all three of ours I think are very indicative of our personalities. Yeah. I thought about this my entire life. I have always dreamed of being able to do invisibility, so I could murder people. <laughs> <laughs> murder them invis with. Invisible, you'd be invisible and then you'd use weapons on them. So, I guess I don't know how invisibility works. Does your weapon also turn <laughs> invisible? But I feel it's like your superpower can like work anywhere you want. Go into, I, yeah, I would go into someone's house invisibly yeah. and I would murder them, perhaps just using something, some wow. tool Friends. in their home. Friends. And then I, that's how I would get away with it. Um, murder, murder. That's, so, mur- that's yeah. how I get my way people. Not, not you're, like, yeah, your, 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 your super, superpower is how to murder and get away with it. <laughs> how to annihilate more people. How to annihilate people. Elliot, what would well, be yours? Mine would be telekinesis, but I'd only, but like, I guess to Brent's point, mine would not be for murder. It would be for revenge. I love revenge. I, I, I'm, I get off on revenge and avenging wrong. And I think using telekinesis to move things and and fuck with people's brains and with you know stranger things i'd want to be, i'd want to be 11 you know and move stranger things with my things <laughs> have you watched oh, it i hate yeah i know have you watched stranger. it yes I'm i watched not. season one I watched season <laughs> how do you one. hate it it's so good it was so banal and generic and boring and i <laughs> <laughs> am mind blown that it has become the phenomenon that it yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I think it's like, I get what you're saying, but I also think it's like, what? I can't think of another thing that that like captures ooh, the essence of an ooh, 80s the movie. the upside down world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would do telekinesis like like six on, like eleven on Stranger Things, but also I would also love to be able to just create orbs. I love oh, orbs. Yes. Orbs. Wait, orbs. Like orbs of wait, light. Like, like, you're just like, like, like and you just like 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 Yeah, just shape them and play uh, with them. Yeah. And yeah, I love orbs. <laughs> <laughs> I love orbs. Would you oh. use orbs to do anything like kill anyone or anything? 
Yeah, I guess if I, well, I don't know if I'd kill people, but like, like dodgeball with orbs, that could be fun. <laughs> didn't the do- okay. Didn't, didn't Carrie in the movie Carrie, wasn't that telekinesis? So she can move things with her mind? Yeah, I don't know. I that might be fun it. to watch oh, tonight. I think so. That's a good that's one. A, oh, that's, that's a, a good one. Brent's um, just to check it. Did somebody, anybody die? In, who got murdered in this movie? <laughs> did any, did anyone get beheaded? Are there any beheadings? My super, my super hero power it would it fully comes from me being a hornball as a child, as an adult, as an everything. I remember that show, uh, Out of This World. Yes. It was like an 80s show. Oh, where... Yes, she would do this with her fingers, point their finger, point, finger, uh, finger oh, pointers yes. together and freeze yeah. time. Yes, yes. Oh, I, as a kid, right. wanted to have that power so that I could freeze time, pull down the pants of boys yes. and to see their penises. <laughs> I, just, I literally just wanted to use that power that to see as many so penises as possible. And you funny. know what? Not much has changed to this day. Wait, I want I, to see every penis. I can't believe I got so much shit for mine. Alan's a sexual predator in his. <laughs> I mean, no, That's because insane. I would I would pull them back up afterwards. They would it never know. Right, right, right. They would never know. Is it just like a curiosity to see their like, just like oh, what does this one's this person's penis look like? Oh, I've wait, wait. Let me to to support Alan for a second. I have absolutely dreamt of having X-ray vision for sure. Yeah, like, oh, sure. Yes, yeah, yeah, it, it like it like an amusement park or something like you know. An amusement park. Why? Well, you know, because 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 you're seeing a lot of people. I remember I would yeah. Cedar Point, and it oh, there were always a lot of really hot corn-fed hicks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I remember thinking Cedar Point. Let at me Disneyland. explain. That's what I meant by that, guys. <laughs> I, I will admit, I have texted with a friend at Disneyland before because there are some guys that walk around and just openly adjust, and it's just like it's the most uh, distracting thing to see at a park with children. It's yeah, it's too much. It's I don't know. Yeah. But, but my curiosity is is like yes it's sexual in nature but also like if like is are you interested in their like the just like what their penis is shaped like yeah i just no i just want cuz i see you, you see a, you see someone right you see that and you're attracted to them and yeah. you have in your mind okay well they look that way. It's going to look like this. It's, yeah. I wonder what their dick's going to look like and then you just want right. to see the dick and then if it's wait great, wait wait you want to see it a lot Wait, 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 wait. Elliot's talking like he's a virgin who's no, never no, no, no. cared about seeing a dick no, before. No, no, it's not. What it's not. This? No, it's not that. It's just like, it's not that at all. It's it's just, I'm trying to think of it like I'm trying to remove the sex from it because it's like, sure. Okay, so you see it and then it's like, no, okay. You don't, you like, don't picture people naked? I guess it's, I mean, that's sort of the myth of being attracted to men is that it's like, you, you don't know, you can't know Oh, what, but no, it's going on. exciting because they come in all different shapes and shapes sizes. And sizes. And, <laughs> I mean, sometimes <laughs> the balls are like, whoa, how'd that happen? You know what I mean? Like, there are so many yeah. elements to a person that their dick their dick says so much about them. It's true. It's wait, just, it, I, wait, this is so fascinating. <laughs> I feel like Elliot, and, and you know, of course, God love you. We support you 100%, Elliot. I've just never seen Elliot like not be able to wrap his head around. No, I get it. I no, I get no. it. I I definitely get it. I think there's like obviously I'm attracted I'm attracted to men and I'm attracted to like male genitalia, yeah. but at the same time when it's not like a hypersexual situation, like it's like okay, I, I don't know. There's it's like penises are just like appendages. Oh, because it's like it's 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 so sh- like I have a friend who it's like He's very small. He's a very small person. He's very, he's built, yeah. but he's very small. 
but the dick is like insanely wide and it's just yeah. sort of like that's a fun it's a fun it's, surprise it's, it's, it's sort of a, yeah it's like a fun like it's like a cracker jack box prize it's like you pull it out yeah. and you're like whoa oh, that's oh, nice in there yeah well it's oh. nice i do love that we get to know that you wish you had the ability to freeze time just to pants dudes just to yeah. pants guys <laughs> yep yeah totally Mur so murder revenge and sexual and assault. sexual assaults <laughs> <laughs> What would, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard today on the podcast? Okay, okay, I think I get it. So does knowing that the vaccine doesn't work, is that camp? <laughs> <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, uh, I think Sandy Koufax would wear a pride button. He's a handsome Everybody, man, All too. Jews love to remind you that Sandy Koufax was a Jewish baseball player. Yeah, that's uh, right. How about Aunt Anne? Hank Greenberg. <laughs> Aunt Anne would say, who cares about the dick? What's important is the size of the bank account. <laughs> That's right. That's right. God, Aunt Anne is always so good. So, so sharp, that woman. So oh, sharp. God, she's funny. Uh, well, everyone, thank you. Thank you so, so much for listening. I am Elliot. <laughs> We're not doing this anymore. Elliot thinks we're just Elliot's off. decided we're, we're no, done. We're this is, no, we're anymore. not. This is like the best part. This is when we get to be ourselves. I thought we would just do away with it. As if we're not always ourselves on this podcast. That is incredibly rude. Oh, I'm Elliot Glazer. Oh my God. And I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm H. Allen Scott and Brent Sullivan. And have a good week. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs>